Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Unless you're talking about the bridges, seaport, even from the seats in the upper decks, you can see the seashore. Tailgate function with the corneal side. Just walk from the tribal building for the Padres. I'm on it. Yeah, because for the 619, we'll knock you down. Anything for the brown, put it on the town. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Baby says you want to go to the game. Go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 260 of the Talking Bars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Uh, AJ Preller and Bob Melvin just had their season-end press conference. Usually manager, GM, they usually talk to the media at the end of every season, kind of preview the offseason, reflect on that year's season, and that's what happened today at Petco Park. So I just wanted to... Give my reaction to some of the comments. There were some newsworthy things that came out of this press conference. And so feel free, if you're live here, to give your comments, give your thoughts on what Bomel said or what AJ said. Um, I did, just to start off here before we get into the comments, if you missed it, episode 259 is out right now. Uh, this morning, before the press conference, I uh, talked with Jim Russell, San Diego Sports 760. Uh, about the end of the Padres season, how it ended, games three with the Profar check swing, game four with the Manaya decision, game five, sticking with Suarez and not bringing in Hayter. Um, and I, we had a passionate debate about that. Uh, also look back at Jim's preseason predictions uh, that I made him do when he was on the show before the season started in uh, early April. Uh, so we talked about a lot. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, if you want some fun Padres conversation. Uh, but let's get to the comments from AJ and Bob Melvin. I'm not going to 
you know, play the entire press conference, but I'm just going to play some of the noteworthy stuff and uh, just talk about that's that those notes, those uh, items that were discussed. So again, if you have any thoughts, feel free to put them in the comments. Any questions, you can use that super chat button to make sure I get to them. Uh, without further ado, let's get to AJ Preller's opening comments about the Padres season. Here he is. This is uh, from the Padres website, by the way, all this stuff. The clips are out at Talking Fires on social media as well. Season for our organization, uh, a ton of positives. Um, you know, qualifying for the playoffs, we set a goal early in the season, get to October. You know, you've got to got to get into the postseason tournament, and then uh, to give yourself an opportunity to do some damage and qualify for the postseason to have the victories we've had over the over the Mets and the Dodgers and play in the LCS. Uh, our players, um, you know, an exciting group, talented group. Um, you know, and they did a great job all season long. Um, and especially when it counted really at the end of the season and, and the big moments of the big game and the big games, you know, Bob and his staff did a great job creating an atmosphere down in that clubhouse. Um, you know, there were, there were injuries, obviously the situation we're in with, uh, you know, from, from the Tati suspension to you know, new faces at the trade deadline, uh, some different challenges there. And, and the group did a really good job uh, making sure that our team stayed focused and, and, and was in a position to do some really big things there in October. Uh, you know, as exciting as anything the, from, from, a fa- from a fan standpoint, to see the excitement created in the community year-round, start to finish, the support for this team, the love for the team, it made a real difference, uh, you know, for, for our club and, you know, within the organization, the excitement in October, um, you know, I think to me, like, uh, you know, had it, it had a real impact on our players and you can feel it in the community. And I, I think probably the biggest thing overall for uh, for all of us with the Padres is, now, this was a taste of, of what's to come. Uh, I think we all understand that we didn't didn't quite get to the final goal. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, is looking forward, understanding that there's another couple steps in front of us. But I think the experiences we all had here over the last uh, over the last six to eight months is going to serve us well here going forward to uh, to eventually get to that big stage and, and do what we want to do as an organization. There you go. I agree with AJ there about the taste. Right, this season gave the Padres that taste of postseason success right they had postseason success in the wild card series they had it obviously in the division series against the Dodgers they even had it for one game against the Phillies in the NLCS they had it at points during game four and game five in the NLCS right they just couldn't come through but they had that taste and they didn't get the full scoop of ice cream if that makes sense you know like they only got a little bit or you know, they just didn't get all of it. Uh, they didn't get that big cake, right? They only got a small piece of it. They didn't get to eat the whole thing, right? They want to eat the whole thing. Uh, and so they're close, right? They have a lot of talent on this team. They have a lot of guys coming back next year, you know, led by Manny and Musgrove, right? And then um, there's question marks about who might return, uh, you know, Grisham. I think he will return, but will he be the starting center fielder? I'm sure we'll have a lot of conversation about that. Uh, but there's talent, obviously. Juan Soto's returning. Nick Martinez might return. Jerkson Profar might return. Robert Suarez might return. But you obviously have Snell and Darvish, uh, along with Musgrove, in that rotation. You have Josh Hader next year. Like There is a very good base uh, for this Padres team to contend next year. 
It's just about uh, AJ and the front office being able to bring in guys or keep players, some guys like I just talked about, uh, to keep this team as a real World Series contender. Uh, and I believe that they will do that. Now, if you ask me right now, who's AJ going to go out and get? I mean, I don't know. Who is he going to retain? I don't know, right? It's it's really hard to predict what AJ Preller is going to do because it seems like every offseason, he makes a move that we weren't expecting or he does it during the season. Were we expecting uh, the Padres to go get Josh Hader? No. Maybe we were expecting them to get Soto, but it was still a shock that they got him, I think. Um, and it was a shock of excitement. You think that, or was I expecting the Padres to trade Hosmer? No, I was not. Uh, especially after he rejected that, uh, rejected the trade to the Nationals. Uh, he just makes a lot of out-of-the-box moves. Bob Melvin last offseason. Was I expecting A.J. Preller to go hire a guy that was already employed as the manager of another Major League Baseball franchise? No, but he thinks outside the box, and that's the beauty of A.J. Preller. And it's also, uh, I don't know, I don't think it's a negative, but it does bring some negative moves uh, that come with A.J. Preller's aggressiveness, right? I think we'd probably wish, in hindsight, right, it being 2020, that A.J. didn't make that uh, Mike Clevenger move, right? There's been some clunker trades, but there's also been some really, really good trades, right? Crony, Hader, that's worked out so far. Getting Soto and now... He's going to be able to negotiate a potential contract extension with him this offseason. That was something that was said by A.J. Preller in this press conference. Um, so I think A.J.'s the right guy to bring the Padres to a World Series. I know that there was a lot of doubt. Uh, maybe not a lot, but there was some doubt between uh, some fans that A.J. was the right guy, right? Because he'd been here for eight years, hadn't made the postseason in a full season. Well, he did that. And he didn't just make the postseason. The team that he constructed made it through the wild card series, beat a 100-plus win team there, beat a 110-plus win team in the Dodgers in the division series, and they were a few decisions away from probably being up three games to two going back to San Diego for a game six yesterday. You know, So uh, I definitely believe he's the right guy, and hopefully uh, the Padres are going to be in, I think they will, Hopefully there'll be a World Series contender come spring training. You know, they make those moves uh, that are needed and fill out the roster strongly. Um, here was Bob Melvin. He uh, talked about if this season was a success. I put out a video yesterday. By the way, I put out a couple. I put out one with a bunch of highlights on the season, including the postseason. So check that out on YouTube. Here, if you have not already, I encourage you to. If you want a smile on your face, go go ahead and check that out. Uh, but I also put out uh, my thoughts on if this season was was a success. I thought it was a success. Um, I was probably looking at it from the view going into spring training. Like, if you were to tell me they'd make the NLCS, yeah, it's a, that's a success. I still think it is. Uh, but I could see those people that don't think it's a success or Maybe the season's a success, but the postseason wasn't a success, maybe. Some people might think that because they saw how great this team was playing against the Mets, against the Dodgers, and they just weren't able to finish the job against the Phillies. Um, 
And that's kind of what Bob Melvin said here uh, to the media. You know, what you see from success, you know, I think if you look at it from spring training, you would say, yeah, you know, based on who we had, where we were in spring training, if you said we would go to the National League Championship Series, is that a successful season? Sure. But once it becomes part of you and once, you know, the moves we made at the trade deadline and now you move forward and you're in the postseason, you're having success and you're beating quality teams, your expectations raise. So when you lose that final game, which really was unexpected because all our guys expected to go farther. And so that a little bit more of a disappointment. You look at the totality, what the season, what you think of the season. That's kind of how I look at it. But going forward, I believe the expectations and based on playing in these uh, scenarios and the environments we played in should raise our expectations going into next year. I agree with what Bomo said there at the end about the expectations being raised. I mean, when you make the NLCS, you make not just the clubhouse believe, but you also make the fans believe that this team is going to be able to potentially win a World Series the following year. Uh, the fan base knows that a lot of these players on this team this year, it wasn't a last ride type of thing, you know. Um, for some guys it was. For, you know, Myers, don't know if he's going to be back. But the Padres definitely treated it like Myers is not going to be back. But this team as a whole, the core of players, Manny, Musgrove, Cronoworth, you know, they're going to have Tatis back next year, Soto. They're all back, right? So for me, this isn't. this is a year to build on. Kind of like Bo Mills said, raise those expectations um, and and go farther next year, right? Um, they were seven wins away from winning it all for the first time in franchise history. Let's get those seven wins. Um, that's what his message is. I'm sure that's what his message is going to be in spring training when he addresses the team. I'm sure that's what his message is to individual players in the offseason. Do what you can this offseason to get yourself in the best shape possible or improve baseball-wise so that you can help this team get those seven wins that they were not able to get this year. Or at least get those uh, three wins, more wins, that they weren't able to get this year to get to an opportunity to get those four other wins in the World Series. You know, uh, So I like that message from Bo Mel. Here is uh, him continuing to speak on... The Robert Suarez decision in the eighth inning. Uh, Jim Russell and I on episode 259. Again, that's available now on podcast platforms and on YouTube here. We disagreed. I thought that Bowmill made the right choice. Uh, they, I think they view Suarez and Hayter on the same level in terms of like confidence. They have confidence in both guys equal, uh, equally. And um, so I was fine with the decision. Like, he got Harper out the first time around on a pitch down. He wanted the pitch to be down again, and it wasn't as down as it needed to be. And you give props to Bryce Harper. Bob Melvin wanted Suarez and Hayter to finish that game. He did not want any other pitchers touching the ball. And that's how he was going to do it. That's how he wanted the game to be finished. Suarez to cover, like, half of it. Uh, some of it, and then Hater to finish it off with like four outs. Um, I definitely understand those people argue those people's arguments about when they say, "Well, Hater 
So he was going to get four outs. Well, what's the difference between four and six when your season's on the line? I can understand that. Uh, but again, Robert Suarez, I had confidence in him. Uh, the Padres, Bob Melvin, had a lot of comments in him. And it was deserved confidence, if that makes sense. Like, Robert Suarez, he gave up that one home run to Reese Hoskins. Uh, but that was in like a three-run game or whatever, four-run game. Um, and that was like the one run that he had allowed in the last month and a half or so, or the last two months of the season. Like, he had been one of the best relievers in baseball. So it's not like they had Manaya out there in the eighth inning. No. Harper beat arguably the Padres' best reliever. Like, literally, arguably. Some people are going to argue Hater, but you could argue Suarez. You really, really could. Um, so here's Bob Melvin on if he has changed his mind about if he thinks that Suarez decision was the right decision. Bob, obviously, there's been a lot said and dissected about the eighth inning on Sunday. Uh, you're privy to a lot more than we are now that you've had a couple of days to look back on it. How do you kind of take stock of how that unfolded and maybe what you would have done differently or not done differently there? I, you know, I, I wouldn't. We, when we went into that, we were going to try to cut up the seventh, eighth, and ninth with two guys. And going into the eighth, we had all the confidence in the world in Suarez. We had Hader up four outs, trying to get two out of, of Robert. And I thought that was our best option. So we use Hader there. I'm not sure we get through the ninth with him. And I'm not sure that that was a better option than the ones we had with our two best pitchers that we had. You know, it just doesn't work out. So, you know, we know that one didn't work. The other ones, we don't know whether they would have worked or not. But, you know, it's just something that you, you have to understand that this you felt like it was the best option. It didn't work. Move forward. Yeah, so there's Bomel continuing to back his initial uh, choice there in Game 5 to go with Suarez instead of Hayter. And, I again, I, I agree. I, I know I'm on the m minority. Uh, Jim Russell today called me an idiot for that. But, um, hey, look, you went down with arguably your best reliever. They wanted their two best pitchers to finish the game after Darvish. That was their plan, and that was that's what was going to happen. And the Padres had the lead. They put they had Suarez go in just like the plan, and he gave up the go-ahead home run. And Hader didn't get in the game. I understand it's a bad look that Josh Hader did not get in that game, uh, or didn't get in any of the games in Philadelphia. But at the same time. You look at the situation, I mean, Suarez, okay, he gave up the go-ahead home run, so obviously the Phillies aren't, weren't going to bat when uh, in that bottom of the ninth inning unless the Padres scored, and they didn't. So Hayter didn't pitch the bottom of the ninth, or else he would have. Um, so I do see the comments here. Sky says, still disagree, and my argument is based on pitch count for Suarez. If you pull Suarez for Hayter at 20 pitches, you can still use him in games six and seven. By extending him to 30 pitches, you remove Suarez for the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you remove Suarez for the rest of the series by extending him to 30 pitches. When your season's on the line and Suarez is one of the Padres' best pitchers, just in general, he's definitely one of the Padres' best relievers, you go, you still pitch the next day. You still pitch game seven. Maybe... 
he pitches only game six and not game seven, and they go with like Pierce Johnson or something, or Tim Hill. But no, I, I think I don't think pitch count was what they were thinking there. Um, I don't think that they would they were gonna pull Suarez in that situation for Hater so they could use him in six and seven. I think they would use him anyway. Um and even if they couldn't use him in game six or you know, let's say they couldn't use him in game six if the Padres went on and and won that game. Uh, well look, you're trying to win game five first. Like it doesn't matter about game six. So I don't think pitch count was what they were thinking there. I literally think they were confident in Robert Suarez getting Bryce Harper out. He got him out earlier in the series and they wanted to finish the game with Suarez and Hader. And Melvin thought Suarez could get a specific amount of outs and Hader would get a specific amount of outs. And Suarez, I believe he finished that eighth inning, but obviously he gave up the lead. Um... Sky says, I still think regardless of the situation, if you don't use your best reliever in three straight games in Philly, that's a bullpen mistake by design. Yeah, again, I understand that. Uh, it's not a good look. That hater wasn't used. It kind of feels like a Zach Britton situation. Remember the AL wildcard game against Toronto years back? Buck Showalter did not use Zach Britton, who was like the best reliever in baseball that year. Uh, and that might have cost the Orioles there, and that was a big regret. Um, Kind of feels like that, but it was the situation, right? Um, it's not like the Padres had a lead and they didn't use Hater, or it was a tie game and they didn't use Hater. Um, I mean, they had a lead in games four and five, or in, yeah, four and five, uh, but it was based on matchups. It was based on their plan. Like in game four, they weren't going to use Hater in the fifth inning. Um, and then all of a sudden, after Manaya was pitching in that fifth inning, it was out of reach. Maybe not out of reach, but the Phillies had the lead once Manaya left in that fifth inning. Hader wasn't going to go in then because they thought that they would save him for game five, right? And then game five happened, and they're planning on using Hader because they have a lead for those last four outs. But by the, when that time came, they were confident in Suarez and they didn't have the lead anymore. The Phillies didn't have those three outs to get in the bottom of the ninth for Hader to get against the Phillies, so he wasn't used, you know? But yeah, I understand it's a bad look. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Dragon Banisher asks, do you think Martinez will opt out and test the market? I think he'll opt out because he can get more money because he pitched his butt off this year. And he pitched pretty well as a starter. He pitched even better as a reliever. I mean, his last outing of the year was in the NLCS in game four. Pitch, or game three, maybe. Or was it, was it game three? Game four. Where Clev couldn't get an out, and Martinez pitched three scoreless innings. Retired everyone that he faced. Stranded Harper on first in the first inning, which was huge. Padres still had a lead when he left after Clev sucked. You know, so... That's big. Uh, on the big stage, he performed. So, yeah, I, th- I think he'll opt out and test the market. I hope that the Padres realize how much value he had to this team. And that would be a big loss, I think, if Nick Martinez is not on this team next year. Because of everything that he can do, there's uncertainty in the rotation, right? Back into the rotation, don't know how they're going to fill that, right? Clevenger and I are free agents. Do they even want to bring those guys back? Clevenger coming off the injury, and Manaya. I mean, eh, he didn't impress me too much, especially at the end of the year. So Martinez might be a back-end starter. Uh, he'll probably get that somewhere in the free agent market, I would think, from someone, and that's more money than a reliever would get, so they're, they're going to have to pay him, I think. Yeah, I think he will opt out. Um, there's still some comments about the bullpen. So let me go to those and then I will get back to the press conference and stuff. Uh, Sky says, I can see your side of the argument. It's a tough call, but I would have trusted Garcia for the bottom of the Phillies order. You showed they were weak against high velocity, Stott, Marsh. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, Stott, those hits that he got, if I remember correctly, they were from breaking balls. And if you want to go to Garcia again, yeah, okay. Uh, but I'm just telling you that the Padres' game plan, I'm trying to think of it from the Padres' side of things, like from Bob Melvin's point of view. His game plan going in was to use Suarez and Hayter. He only wanted to use Suarez and Hayter. In a must-win game, he wanted his two best relievers, the relievers that he had the most confidence in. He wanted to use only those guys after Darvish, and that's what happened, or he used one of those guys. That was the plan. The plan was working. And then he gave up the home run, and then they didn't have that ninth inning to use Hader, you know. Um, so Garcia did not fit in those in that plan, you know. They they wanted their two best relievers only. Garcia is not that. He's probably three, maybe four, but he's he's not that. Yeah, Sky agrees. Says, "Yup, the Zach Britton is kind of the same situation." That's what that's my immediate thought of that. I just think of the Zach Britton situation and I think of this situation. And maybe the Dodgers think of the Britton situation going back to the division series when I believe they didn't have Evan Phillips in that game. I think it was game five or game four against the Padres here, right? And Dave Roberts faced questions about that after the game. All right, let's get back to the press conference here. Here is A.J. Preller talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. Bernie Wilson of the Associated Press asked A.J. Preller, what position does he prefer Fernando Tatis Jr. to play next year? Obviously, Fernando dealing with the suspension. He has the wrist surgery. 
two wrist surgeries, the shoulder surgery after he was going to be done for the year, just proving to the team he wants to be on the field. He wants to increase his chances of staying on the field. Uh, and A.J. Preller did not provide a specific answer on what position. So here is A.J. What position do you want to see Tatis at next year, and have you had discussions with him yet? Yeah, the position would be like on the field for 160, you know, 145 games. So. First off, that's a that's a funny response. Uh, I think Preller's kind of having some fun there with Tatis maybe a little bit, like on the field. That, that would be nice. Um, but then here he goes into not giving a specific solo, uh, specific position. He doesn't name one. Infield, outfield, shortstop, yeah. center field, left I field, think, right field? I think, again, I, I know that's, it's, it's a question, obviously, but you know, it's, it's talked about a lot. I think, um, you know, I really do. I think for right now it's about just getting him healthy. And uh, I think those are the conversations that we'll start having here in the next couple of weeks with our, our scouts, our front office group. Uh, the baseball operations department, Bob and the staff, and try to get some clarity here going into spring training going forward. He gives you that options. He's a great athlete. He's a great player. He can play all over the field. Um, and we have some other guys that have stepped up on the current roster that'll that'll uh, that'll be part of the equation too. So it should be good competition, and you know, we'll do what we think is best for him and for our club. Honestly, there, there's a key word that he said there. I think competition. It'll be a good competition. There's other players on the roster that have contributed this year. Uh, so he's referring to Ha-Sung Kim. Skip Schumacher, by the way, Marlins manager, just came down, I guess. Congratulations to him, former Padres bench coach, associate manager, if that's what you want to call it, under Jace Tingler. And I think he was the first base coach. So yeah, Marlins hiring Skip Schumacher. Announcement shortly, according to Ken Rosenthal. All right, anyway. Back to Tatis. So he he said it's going to be a good competition. So that's telling me that Hassan Kim has a chance to be the shortstop. And if Trent Grisham doesn't get his stuff going, uh, doesn't get his stuff together, then I think Tatis will play center. Uh, they're, or they're at least going to definitely have him take reps in center field. I think, you know, what he was doing during rehab at Peco Park, during batting practice and stuff before we knew about the PED suspension. He was taking balls in center field, throwing to third, throwing to second, and he was taking balls at shortstop. I think you could see the same thing come spring training. I really do. Because if you want your best team on the field, or maybe your best offense, there were times where Kim performed better than Grisham this year. And... Your best shortstop on the team is Ha-Sung Kim. Your best shortstop, not best player that plays shortstop, your best shortstop defensively is Ha-Sung Kim. Best third baseman is Manny. Best second baseman is Crony. Best first baseman, I mean, I guess you'd say Crony because there's no first baseman on the roster right now. Drury, Bell, and Myers are free agents. So it's an open spot at first. So you could either have Tatis at short, Kim at second, Crony at first, or you want Tatis to move to the outfield. And I'm saying these are the uh, possible ways you could go about it if Kim's playing. Or you could have Kim at short, Crony at second, find a first baseman, Tatis in center, you have Grish come off the bench, defensive replacement, or just as a bench player. Or you deal him in a package to get something else. Um, those are 
really the options if you want Kim playing. If Kim isn't playing well uh, and Tatis comes back April 20th, and I think that makes it a much easier decision for the Padres. Okay, Tatis is at shortstop, right? But I think it also is maybe a little too early to, to discuss where Tatis should be playing next year because we don't know how the roster is going to be constructed this offseason. We don't know what moves A.J. Preller is going to make this offseason. You know, is he going to bring back Brandon Drury to play first base? Is he going to bring back Will Myers? We don't know. Is he going to go get like Anthony Rizzo or something? Or is he going to trade for a first baseman that no one has on our radars right now? We don't know. And so let's say he does that. Okay, well then, Crony's at second base. And now it comes down to Tatis in center or Tatis at short and Kim on the bench. You know, like, so... The other areas on this team will get figured out, and then I think it'll make it easier for us to decide, and I think it'll make it easier for the Padres to decide where Tatis plays in 2023. Uh, going through the comments here, Gil says Tatis 40% shortstop, 50% outfield, 10% DH. The DH part, I think he will DH a little bit. Um, you don't want him playing the field every day, but I think there's a good amount of players that will DH on the team next year. I don't think it's smart to just bring in a DH, like Nelson Cruz or something. Uh, I did want him before last year, but realizing Tatis coming back and just being able to have the positional versatility from the guy that's DHing, I think that's huge. Someone gets hurt, he can go play. He can go in to the game. Or um, just having got using that time to give guys days off their feet but still have their bat in the lineup I think that's crucial in a long season hell yeah Skip says Kirsten yeah congratulations to him on getting that manager job for the Miami Marlins uh, Irie says you don't bench Kim no matter what too, too valuable to bench what I would say is this what if Grisham is the center fielder next year I know these are all hypotheticals but what if Grisham is the starting center fielder next year, and he's playing really well. He's playing like he did in the division series and the wild card series. And Kim, he's good defensively, but he's not doing good offensively. What do you do? I think you put Tatis at shortstop. I think you try to sacrifice. You sacrifice Kim's great defense for Tatis, hopefully uh, performing much better at the plate than Kim, and maybe being a little worse than Kim um, on defense you know the Phillies got here with horrible defense I don't think the Padres are gonna have horrible defense next year regardless of where they put Tatis to be honest Tatis is a great athlete and from what we've seen he's gonna work his butt off uh based on his actions with getting the surgeries and stuff like he wants to be a part of this team so I think he's gonna work his butt off regardless of what position he's at to be the best defensive player that he can be if it's in center field, he's going to work his butt off to be the best center fielder that he can be in a short period of time. If it's at shortstop, he's going to try to go win a gold glove at shortstop. You know, I think he's going to be very committed because he missed out on a lot of fun this year. It's his fault, but he missed out on a lot of fun. And they know that they can get far without him. He doesn't want that. He wants to be there and be that boost to get them the World Series, you know. 
Gil says he thinks Toddy will play mostly left field. Well, I like Profar in left. I think he's going to return. That's my gut instinct right now, just before this World Series even starts. Uh, you know, the offseason hasn't started. Obviously, we don't know the offers. We don't even know if Profar is going to opt out. If he opts out, then we can have that discussion. But right now, I, I think he's going to be the left fielder still. And I like him in left field. Le led, I think, Major League Baseball in assists. Like, he's great in left field. And I like him as the Padres, like, seven hitter or wherever he would be next year. And you have Tatis. Well, he'll probably lead off to start the year, but then have Tatis lead off when he comes back. Um, I think Tatis for the outfield, I think it's center field. And then if they want Soto to DH some games, then right field. But I think it's between short and center. Like, I, I just don't see him at second. I don't see him at first, definitely. There was someone in my replies today that was like, let's put Tatis at first base. Why? You're totally just devaluing Fernando. He's one of the most athletic players on the team. He's not going to play first base. Christopher says, if we can't re-sign Profar, Tatis, right field, better arm. Move Soto back to left field. Um, I, Maybe. Yeah, I guess. But what if Kim does? What if Kim struggles offensively? Do you want Tatis to be in right field, um, or do you want Tatis to play short, have Grisham in center, Soto in right, and then you bring in a left fielder? You know, I don't know. look. I think Profar returns, so until Profar isn't returning, I don't want to really bring up those hypotheticals. I think he wants to be here, and he wants to finish the job. All right, getting back to this press conference, one last thing about this presser. I love this moment at the end with Bob Melvin. Don Arcillo is about to close out the press conference. He's hosting it at Peco Park, and he interrupts Don to thank the fans for their support this year. Great moment. Here it is. Thank you all for being Can here today. Thing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I just want to thank the city of San Diego and our fans. I mean, they were immense in our success. And we walked out here, you know, in the last month, really the whole year, but the last month, getting to the postseason was hard. They were a huge part of it. We'd look out in Gallagher Square, and you'd walk into that ballpark, especially in the postseason, and see people in their seats before the game started, rooting us on, and we felt it. So... You know, there's 26 players on the roster, 28, whatever it is. They were almost like a roster piece for us. and They they drove us and inspired us. So I want to make sure there's clarity over that. Oh, there's clarity. There's clarity, Bob. Thank you. I mean, that's that's one of those situations where it's like, no, Bob, thank you. Thank you for what you did this year. I know there's people that are pissed off and calling him an idiot for what he did you know, in game four with Manaya, uh, and what he did in game five, you know, not going to Hater and sticking with Suarez. But this guy did so many great things for this organization this year. First year as the Padres manager. This is the most drama probably a Padres manager has ever had to deal with. 
You could talk about Tingler and the clubhouse collapsing and all that, but that part of that was him, right? Bomel, he didn't. He just had the drama come to him. Like he didn't want this. Uh, with Tatis right out of the gate, spring training, like immediately, it's like first press conference. Yeah, Tatis, he's gonna be out with the wrist. That's immediate. Like, okay, well, Kim's our shortstop now. That's something to deal with. The surgeries that he had to deal with during the season. Ryan Christensen, remember, he had COVID at, uh, at one point during this season. Uh, and Ryan Flaherty was being the interim manager at one point. Um, you know, dealing with the Manny injury and having Clevenger not... Right, he didn't start the season, I don't believe, uh, healthy. Uh, and then having to deliver the news to Nick Martinez. Hey, we're going to put you in the bullpen here. This is the best chance for us to win. And it ended up working, um, at least with Martinez going to the bullpen. And then receiving the news in Washington, like right before the game from A.J. Preller that Tatis is going to be out for the year and having to, you know, bring the guys together and say, hey, who cares? Let's go out and win. Like, we have enough talent here to go make a deep run, right? And they did make a deep run. Uh, having to deal with, or having to talk with Hosmer and Gore and Abrams when they were traded. Like, he's dealt with a lot this year. Um, losing to the Dodgers, right? Losing to the Dodgers, 5-14 and 14 in the regular season, and then finding a way to beat them in the, in the postseason. Uh, just had to deal with a lot in his first year with the Padres. Uh, so thank you, Bob, for all you did for this organization this year. That's what I would say. And uh, hopefully this is just the start, right? This is just the first step uh, in the staircase. And they're just going to keep climbing it, you know? All right, let's get back to the chat. So those are my thoughts on the press conference. Uh, there were some good things there. Juan Soto, potential um, extension. Oh, by the way, I, didn't, I don't even think I played that audio. My bad. Here is uh, that audio. Uh, Preller was asked by AJ Casavell about a long-term extension, possibly discussing that with Juan Soto. Priority for you this offseason to hopefully make that a, a, a reality. Yeah, I think we'll have that conversation. You know, I think again, like all this is pretty fresh. I think we'll sit down here on, on really a lot of different fronts. But I think uh, you know, from Juan's standpoint, I'm sure he's he's getting to know the city and and getting to know the organization. I think uh, you know from when we made the deal, we made it knowing that we had him for three pennant races, but also understanding that, you know, we'll sit down with, with Peter, with Eric, and just kind of talk about what's best for the organization long-term. But uh, he's a, you know incredibly talented player. He's an impact player. And you know, we'll have those conversations here. You know, I'm sure even in, in this, this offseason, just kind of you know, taking the temperature and seeing where his head is at and going from there with it. All right. So for me, that's encouraging comments from AJ right there. Uh, this, you know, they're going to, have that conversation with Juan and get the temperature of Juan. And uh, obviously Scott Boris is the agent. I would not intense, intense, what is that? I would not anticipate an extension being done with Juan Soto this offseason. Uh, I, I definitely would not expect it to be there early in the offseason. Uh, maybe that's a spring training thing. I think it gets done maybe during next season or during or before the 2024 season starts remember they have them through 2024 um so they still have time even if they don't get one done this off season 
or even during 2023, they still have time to get one done. I think that's encouraging. Um, but yeah, have that conversation, get the temperature. Maybe they're getting the temperature and Juan says, yeah, I want to be here. And then they can work out an extension. Um, but it seems like both sides are willing to talk about one. And so that's very encouraging news. I don't want to say too much beyond that because we don't know how serious those talks are going to be in the off season, but I'll just say that that's encouraging what we saw from AJ Preller or what we heard from AJ Preller today regarding a possible one extension. Those conversations are going to happen. It's, it seems like according to him, uh, this off season. So that is good. Um, getting back to the comments here. So, Um, let's see. Sky says, Bob is an awesome manager. The best we've had since Bochi. Mistakes will be made regardless of who's behind the helm. He's not immune from criticism, but he deserves a lot of credit for where we got to. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's spot on. I think he's an awesome manager. I believe in him. I would, I'm one of the few that agreed with the Suarez decision. Um, I know there's a lot of people that disagree with me, but that's just what it is. Mistakes will be made. The manager, like, if Suarez would have got Harper out, guess what? We wouldn't have viewed that as a mistake, right? We only view it as a mistake because we have hindsight, and we get to see it come out and see how it plays out. Bob Melvin does not get the benefit of that, you know? There, there's a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, social media, that will watch what happens, watch a situation develop, see how it works out, and then they'll say, oh, man, you should have pulled the guy. That did not work. I don't see people tweeting in the moment before a move, before the Harper at bat, let's say. I didn't see a lot of that. Of People during or before the Harper at bat, they should have brought in Hater here. Why is Hater not in this game right now? I'm sure there were some people, but a lot of it was, I knew they shouldn't have stuck with Suarez. They should have brought in Hater there. Well, it's probably a lot easier to say it in the moment and have that timestamp on there, you know. Let's see how if you if you play manager for a couple games next year and in game during that time say pull Darvish right here or pull Musgrove right here or stick with Musgrove for this batter and okay, what reliever do you bring in the next inning? How long do you stick with that guy? You know, like literally during the game, not looking at what Melvin's doing or what has been done already and then judging then, but making your playing manager literally during the game, not playing hindsight manager, which is what a lot of people do. And I think you'll discover that it's a very difficult job, right? If you have success, it's the players. If you don't have success, oh, the manager made the bad decision. You know, it's a tough job, but he knows that. I'm seeing some discussion about a possible Trent Grisham trade. I'm not going to get into that right now. I mean, look, I still believe in Trent Grisham. I think the Padres still believe in Trent Grisham. I don't think that they're going to trade him this year. He's still, I think, under control for three more years, I want to say, with arbitration. So there's still plenty of time for him to turn this around, or at least plenty of time on the contract. 
I think they will give him next year and think if things don't turn around and maybe they go in a different direction. But I think he'll be the starting center fielder come opening day next year, especially, you know, because Tatis is not going to be available to play. And let's see if he remains hot through April 20th. And if he doesn't, then maybe they'll have Tatis in center and Kim at short. But you also got to look at how does Kim start off the season and how does the roster look around shortstop and center field? Because I think that can dictate a lot of different decisions too once Tatis comes back. A lot of fascinating conversations we can have about this, obviously. I was planning to do this for like 20 minutes and it ended up going 45. Uh, But that's how passionate I am. That's how passionate you Padres fans are about improving this team and just about the Padres in general. And I very, very appreciate it. So that was my reaction to the Preller and Melvin end-of-season press conference. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries. They're located on Friars Road inside Petco Park during the Padres season and inside Snapdragon Stadium right now during the San Diego State Aztec season. So check them out. Uh, Gaglionbros.com again, is the website. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I recommend you check out that Jim Russell interview, talking more about the end to the Padres 2022 season, episode 259. And if you want to smile, check out that 2022 season highlight reel that I put together last night. Uh, I definitely smiled while I was watching it back. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Go Padres, and I'll be back soon. See everybody.